0: In this guided Talks, Robert talks to Kate Sevilla. Kate is an author and journalist who has led and managed editorial teams for some of the world's largest media and tech companies, including Google, BuzzFeed and Microsoft. She was a founding member of BuzzFeed UK and later became editor-in-chief at The Pool, at the helm when the company collapsed. Kate is the host of careers podcast, The Heart of It, and her writing has appeared in The Independent, Stylist, The New Statesman and Business Insider. Her book, How to Work Without Losing Your Mind, is out now. Robert and Kate discuss the background, key messages, how we've got here and is it just for women, how to deal with a manager from hell and how to avoid burnout and protect your mental health. Plus, much more.
1: Hello and welcome to the Guider Initiative talks, and today I really am absolutely delighted to welcome our guest, Kate Sevilla. Kate has written a book which is kind of winning accolades and top tens and top twenties all over the place, called "How to Work Without Losing Your Mind." And the timing is immensely perfect for all of us. So, firstly, Kate, hello and welcome.
2: Hello, thank you so much for having me.
1: It's an absolute pleasure to be here. So let's let's just. Just to get straight into the nitty gritty of it. So what, what's what's the what's the background that you end up writing this book? Tell us about what you were doing before and and how you've got here.
2: Sure, yeah. No, so I was um working in um, online editorial, digital publishing, digital media, whatever you would like to call it. Um, so I've been doing that since uh, I moved to the UK really in uh, 2006. Um, and I worked for myself for a while. I worked for a blog publishing company in the UK when that was the thing to do. And then I eventually realized that I would quite like to make some money perhaps. <laughs> so decided to get, you know, a, a proper job. I'm still on the internet, but a proper job. So I, I started at, um, MSN, and I worked for there for a while. And then I was at BuzzFeed UK, where I became the managing editor there for a few years. Um, And then I kind of switched what I was doing. So rather than, um, you know, running editorial teams for digital publications, I then started to work um, for tech companies and tech startups, running um, smaller editorial teams and and focusing on their content. Um, So it was interesting always being like, Two journalists in a room of seventy engineers versus the flip of that at places like when I was at BuzzFeed, where you would have like one techie person and then just a sea, a sea of journalists. Um, yeah. So I was at I was at Google for a while. I worked at um, a tech startup that was founded by the ex Top Gear presenters, so Jeremy Clarkson, Richard Hammond, and James May, which was interesting. Um, and yeah. So I when I was at Google, I had um. An interesting, an interesting time there. I, I learned a lot, but primarily I learned more about my relationship with work and my career. And I had uh, quite a intense, stressful experience there. And then I went on to be the editor in chief of. The online women's website, the pool, um, which then spectacularly <laughs> shut down in a rather public dramatic fashion. Um, so that was also very stressful. And uh, I found myself very swiftly with uh, without a job and had to kind of ask myself what it was that I wanted to do next. What did I have the emotional capacity for? What did I actually really want? And I remembered that I had this uh, on my phone i had a list of things that i had learned over the past few years from from my career from working and i just kind of had that sat on my phone and i remember i thought oh you know maybe i'll turn this into uh, some articles one day. Maybe I'll turn this into uh, a podcast eventually. And then maybe if both of those things go okay, I might be able to write a book one day. And then I kind of had to stop kidding myself and just get to the thing that I actually wanted to be doing, which was writing a book. Um, so that was kind of the, the background for for how to work without losing your mind. Um, and yeah, it very much is the kind of culmination of the last few years of difficult jobs and difficult working wow. situations.
1: Wow. So, So I'd be really curious to know about, about, about the how of the book, because certainly for me, uh, the first book was like the first album. You know, you put the last 10 or 15 years of experience into it, and it's big, and it's huge, and it's dense. By the time I got to the third album, I, I think it was written... I was on a ski trip, and I uh incapacitated myself when I had six days ahead of myself sitting in a ski chalet oh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> waiting for people to come in drunk at night and so I wrote I wrote that one in you know in, in six days top to bottom so i would be really yeah. just curious about about what was your what was the process about about writing the book you start at the beginning do you do the chapters you preferred how did it how did it go yeah yeah um
2: Yeah, thank you for asking that. (laughs) I haven't really had anyone ask me that before. Um, But yeah, that that whole side of things was, I really enjoyed it. It was really interesting. So I think I got uh, my book deal with Penguin Business in July 2019. Um, And then, you know, it's kind of the summertime and there's not much happening in the the world of of business. Things move quite slowly. So it wasn't until about October um, that things kind of got more intense. uh, And I was like, oh, I should probably get this done. Um, cause it was due in uh, January. Um, but it wasn't until the kind of that October time that we kind of myself and my editor really kind of nailed the kind of structure for it. And I then realized that I had said that I would interview a whole bunch of people. And then I was like, okay, I suppose I should really get started with that. Um, so a lot of it initially was, um, I had obviously a, a chapter structure, um, that was in the proposal. Um, but really it was then, okay, well, what, who, who can I speak to, what other stories beyond my own? Cause I didn't want this to just be like a memoir about my hard time at work. I wanted it to be, okay, this is what I've learned, but also this also relates to a lot of different people that have worked in a lot of different industries and have different levels of experience, as well as, you know, experts like therapists and HR specialists as well. Um, so really the the structure was there and then it was, you um, Speaking to people and finding those common threads, and then other things would come up from those conversations, and I realized, oh gosh, I should probably you know speak to somebody about what it's like to go back to work after um, a loved one dies. What is that experience like? the return to work after a bereavement um, so there were lots of things like that, so really the overall how and structure was was born out of um, other people's stories and the stories that kind of fit. Um, together best um, combined with the things that I really wanted to talk about and felt necessary to uh, address because a lot of the stuff I feel um, is addressed in some capacity but I don't think um, in a business book people usually talk about you know what it's like to have a miscarriage at work those sorts of things.
1: Yeah I mean it's, it's a it's a really unusual genre and it's one that mm-hmm. that it's almost like you you have you've have created your own your own unique sort of space and space in the market, because most of the books are like mine, which are like you know, how do you grow the business how do, or strategy or marketing or processes or systems or recruiting people or employing people mm-hmm. or motivating people and they're all and, they're, and either they're horrifically corporate or they or they're relatively corporate and then there's, there's there's a handful of books which are are personal without um without being uh, what's the word i'm looking for without obsessing with my story and my problem yeah. and, and so on and so forth that's that's a really interesting line 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 to tread so what what um to your mind you know because i think, always think it's really interesting you write something and you think it's about this that and the other and then you read the reviews and discover that people almost almost read a different book <laughs> interesting that's not what I was trying to say <laughs> what 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 were your what did you feel your key messages were
2: sure i think my my key messages in writing this were really um going through the sort of how necessary it is to one realize how um serious work stress is. Burnout, whatever it is that you want to call it, um, that those feelings and the effect that it has on your mind and your body and your your world, your relationships with other people, like that's something to be taken seriously. It's not something that should just be brushed off. And then also um, understanding what is in your control at work and with your career, and what is not in your control, because I think that sometimes. We are made to think and we might believe ourselves that we can control all of it, including other people's behavior, including how, uh, you know, a difficult manager decides to react to you or decides to treat you. But actually, that's not that's not your control at all. You know, that's you can't. There's only so much you can do with that. So I think really those those were the overall messages that I wanted to get across in this book is really, you know, look after yourself at work and to think more closely about um, your relationship with your own career. Um, It's funny, as you said, with reading reviews and stuff, I think I didn't realize quite how much I swore in this book. (laughs) The FT kindly put out, like, this is quite a sweary book. The first first (laughs) chapter is quite angry, and I was like, oh, I guess it is. (laughs)
1: that's okay that's that yeah i'm like yeah that's fair (laughs) yeah and it's it's kind of bizarre i mean it it feels bizarre to me that that you know despite two thousand years of civilization you know we still don't treat staff employees fairly we we still we still I haven't Haven't figured out that our work is so much part of our identity for everyone who goes to work, yeah. and yet we don't treat everyone everyone well. I mean, there's there's yeah. I mean,
2: it's a I'm it's happy. a problem that we seem to struggle with on on all sorts of levels. The need to make things um, hierarchical and to have some sort of class system and some sort of these people are better than those people is uh, yeah, that's ingrained in in our society, and unfortunately very much reflected in the workplace, as you were saying.
1: And, and do you think that's almost like, a, 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 as you alluded to, sort of a class political problem that we have yeah, uh, hierarchies, and, 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 and not just hierarchies and stereotypes, uh, and, and whether that's about about race or about sex or or about religion, that, and the, and there's a kind of a corporate no, not corporate mentality, but there's a, there is a there's an unwritten rule book about yes. what what people expect and don't expect of people at different levels.
2: Yes, absolutely. I mean, I wish uh, I wish I had a degree or had taken years of my life to study sociology properly, so I could give you a very scientific sociological answer for that. But I think uh, definitely that is ingrained in in how our society functions, and you know, particularly in the UK. Uh, that that class system, um, and the, specifically problems with race, which I guess the UK government has declared is not a problem, even though it very much is. Um, <laughs> beg to differ, um, but I think that absolutely is is reflected in the workplace, and 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 so unnecessarily. It's like there's a weird thing that happens with with class and race, and um, and just having you know figures of authority, and then. That's one thing, but then also you kind of have this weird sort of familial, uh, psychodrama that can be kind of, uh, manifests itself as work at work as well. So I think wherever there are figures of authority and people who are in charge, and then the people who are below I me, mean, you literally have you know every organizational, their org chart where they say, these oh. are the people that are in power, and then you can follow and see where your name is <laughs> right down at the bottom, that uh, you do not have as much power and there are no lines coming out of your name to other names. So you're not in charge of anyone. So therefore you, you don't have any power. And I think that that in itself, um, is a is a this demonstrates a huge problem that we have in, in our workplaces where if you are low down that that org chart and you don't have any other names sprouting off of your name and therefore you're not in charge, it makes it look like you are not as successful or that you're not progressing. And this idea of individual contributors versus managers, um, it's it's just unfair, really, because no matter what, even if like when I was at Google, if you are classified as an individual contributor, it, it's somehow seen as less than than someone who manages a team of five. Never mind if they do it well or not. Just the fact that they're managing a team is seen as, as being better or that you're progressing. And we... no, the, first, the first
1: thing at Google is they look at your past to see whether you're a Googler or whether you're an intern, you know that. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's like, yes. let's, just, let's just sort this out. So, you're yeah. you're not on the payroll. Okay. Yes, fine.
2: you could have been a contractor there for about 10 <laughs> years, but still would right. not be as important as a full time employee,
0: which is. That's insane. right. That's right.